the name of the series. I'm just thinking, you know you're a grandpa when you reach in your pocket and there's a boogie wipe in there. It's like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> anyway, all right, wait. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5, been our key scripture. It says, show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and on you I wait all the day. Isn't it, you know, wait. You know, it's just like the Holy Spirit is stirring up an awareness of wait. It's okay to wait. I am an instant guy. I like the instant. I like the, yeah, I want it now kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, it's worth waiting on God. And waiting is something that, that you know, I need to develop. Because there's power in waiting on God. There's power in the wait. And, and today, as we, we go on, I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag right now. We're going to talk about waiting in prayer. Waiting in prayer. And it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a component of prayer that if we don't grab this, we're going to be missing some answers to prayer. Now, now I'll, I'll, I'll say this, that, that, that again, I, I love it when I pray and I see an instant result. How many like that? I like that. The truth is, every time I pray, there's an instant result. Sometimes it takes a while for the natural to catch up to what's real. Do you know what I'm saying? But, but, but hang on now. As we go through this today, I want you to see this component of prayer, this powerful part of, of our, 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 our prayer life, you know, and, and uh, just being with God, watching him unfold his mercy in our lives. So... John Wesley said this. I, I love this quote. I've said it often. It says, he said this. He says, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. So in other words, your prayers are important. When you pray, it opens a channel for God to move on this earth. Now, you know, well, God, he can do anything. Yeah, he can do anything. But the way he set up the game is this that he works through men and women like you and me, okay? I'm not exalting us to be above God. That's, not, that's the furthest thing from what I'm saying. What I am saying is that he wants to use us. He'll use you in prayer, okay? Prayer is a powerful thing. I don't know. The devil fights prayer. He, t he fights talking about prayer. You know, I used to go to, uh, to Oklahoma, you know, and, and they'd have a big meeting in the summer. I'm, I, I'll just get what I'm saying with this, that, that um, there'd be 20,000 people who would come to it. And there'd be a similar meeting in February, which was called the prayer meeting, and there'd only be 5,000 that would show up for that. Because it doesn't always excite people like a camp meeting. But prayer is the power. It's God's power working through you. Are you with me this morning? Hey, right. All right, three are good. That's good. No. <laughs> See, I think every Christian believes it's important to pray. What I want to talk about is, are we seeing our prayers answered? Are we seeing our prayers answered? Or are we just speaking words and don't have any faith in them? You know? Prayer is like us connecting with God. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. It says, call unto me. And I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. 
Isn't that amazing? That's like God's call to prayer. He says, call on me and I'll answer you. That is just like if that's the only Bible that you had, I mean, that would take you through your whole life. Call on to me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you, know not, which you do not know. You see, one thing that can hinder our prayers is not having a proper understanding of weight, okay? I want to turn to Mark 11 for a moment this morning, Mark 11, 24. And, and before I even read Mark eleven twenty four, 24, I'm going to just give you the context of this scripture. You see, Jesus and the disciples were walking down the road. I believe they were on their way to Bethany. And, and, and uh, they, they saw a fig tree. Jesus saw a fig tree and he was hungry. So that tells you something, that Jesus here on the earth, he got hungry. And he saw this fig tree and, and he went to it because it was the time of figs. But he got there and this tree looked like it should have figs, but there were no figs. And so Jesus, he cursed the fig tree. Okay, this is real. This is something in the Bible. And, and, and he cursed the fig tree. He said this. He says, no man will eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And he said it out loud because it says the disciples who were with him heard him. And you've got to wonder what the disciple, what goes through their minds. You know, we have a lot of things recorded in the Bible, but we don't always have the, the thoughts recorded that went through the disciples' minds. Like this instance when Jesus is talking to a fig tree on the road. I would imagine they thought, oh my goodness, I hope nobody heard that one. Jesus, you're letting out a little too much here. I mean, keep this, keep this quiet, keep it private. But, but, you know, the next day, can you say the next day? They're walking on the same road, and Peter saw the fig tree that Jesus had cursed, and it had said it had dried up from the roots. Dried up from the roots. So notice this. It wasn't the moment Jesus spoke that the thing fell over and died, okay? But it was the next day that they noticed it on the road, and it says it dried up from the roots. I think it's significant that it dried up from the roots, you see, because the roots are what go down into the unseen realm. And what you need to know is that things begin in the spirit and they get manifest later in the natural. Okay? So, so you know, you say, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, that's what we're talking about this morning. Okay? Praying and knowing what's happening. Okay? We're talking about the weight. The weight. So Jesus goes on after this, you know, Peter, you know, I believe it was Peter that saw the tree was dried up from the roots. And I think it's interesting to watch Jesus in this whole scenario too. He cursed this tree and nothing happened. But what did Jesus do? He walked right on and went about his business. Some Christians would curse the tree and see nothing appeared to happen. So then they'd turn around maybe and start cursing the bark. Or maybe start peeling the bark. Saying, hey, I cursed you. I love the cool factor that Jesus operated in. He said it. He believed it. And he acted like it was heard. And he moved on. Peter, again, Peter sees it and he, he says, whoa, this tree is dried up from the roots. Jesus takes the moment right then to begin to teach his disciples about faith. And he goes into uh, Mark eleven twenty two 22, says, have faith in God. 
And then Mark eleven twenty three. We aren't we aren't reading these scriptures, but we'll get to Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, you know, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he saith will come to pass, he'll have whatever he said. So faith will work, you know, really two ways. Faith will work by saying it, and faith will work by praying it. Can you say saying? Praying. So we're talking today about praying. So here in Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus explains how faith works when we pray. He said, therefore, I say to you, what things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. I'm going to read the American Standard Version, too. It says, Therefore I say unto you, all things, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, can I ask you this? Is shall um, present tense or future tense? No tricks here. In this context, it's, it's future tense. Okay? So what Jesus said is, is that when you pray, when is speaking of a specific time, and it's talking about when you pray. He said, when you pray, believe you receive it, and then you shall have it. You see, that's another time. But he says, you got to believe you receive it when you pray before you shall have it. You believe you have it. Did you get that, Kurt? Is that good? So this is how faith works. You believe it before you see it, and then you have it. Okay? So prayer, there's a wait time sometimes. That's what we're calling it, a wait time. A wait. When you say amen, and when you say, oh boy, whoo, yeah, I got it. Frankly, if we really believe it, we do the oh boy right at the amen. We'd start shouting. I remember one time, Dan and I were newlyweds, believing God for everything we had, you know. And, and I remember we, we were believing for furniture. I remember specifically, it was on a Saturday night, we were having a Bible study. And we got done with a Bible study, and, and we said, you know, we need furniture. We didn't have any furniture. We are living in this apartment. And we said, let's just agree right now. And we agreed according to these very verses. And we said, let's just believe we have it. And I remember we, we stood in faith and we believed it. And we shouted and we danced and just celebrated like, like it was so. Like God heard us when we prayed. Like we called on to him and he answered us. And then it was like, I don't know how long it was, maybe a couple weeks or so. I was working this job and I called Dana. I was on a, on a break and I called her and she says, guess what? I said, what happened? She says, we got a a letter in the mail, and there was a certified, uh, what do they call them, a cashier's check in it. Right away, you know, cashier's check, you know, that's good. Because it's, it's, it was a significant amount. And it was, it was $3,000. And back in that day, 3000 bucks was a lot of money. And, and, and I, got, I was just really calm. I said, well, well, praise the Lord, that's what we believe for. It was really specifically what we believed. Dana says, come on, Paul, get excited and shout. I said, yeah, I shouted a couple weeks ago. I shouted when we prayed. Anyway, I can be frustrating. Turn, look over to Daniel. Not Daniel Taylor here, but uh, Daniel in the, the Bible. 
Daniel chapter 10. This is just such an epic story. And it, it just, it, it pulls back the curtain of the flesh and lets us see into the spiritual realm of what is really going on when prayer is happening. And I wanted to, to read it. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. And the reason I did this is because it's a significant chunk of Scripture. And when I was reading it, the message just was very easy to, to follow along and, and, and grab it. So, you know, I, I, I like to study out of other versions, but I, I like the message. I always have been a fan of it. And here in the 10th chapter of Daniel, Daniel was praying about a revelation that he'd received concerning the future. Have you ever gotten things even from God and it, it was like, it was almost disturbing in your heart? Like, how is this going to be, you know? How is this going to happen? How what's, how's this unfold? And he went to the Lord in prayer about this, this whole matter. And in, in Daniel 10, 4, it says, on the, 20, on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, and I looked up, and to my surprise, I saw a man dressed in linen with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body was hard and glistening as if it sculpted from a precious stone. His face was radiant and his eyes bright and penetrating like torches. His arms and feet glistening like polished bronze and his voice deep and resonant and sounded like a huge choir of voices. So, you know, Daniel has an encounter with an angel. And, you know, I don't know what angel this is, you know, but it's probably not Clarence, uh, if you know that movie. But um, it was an angel. And he, he did his best to put words on what he was seeing in this vision. He said, I, Daniel, was the only one to see this. Isn't it interesting that, that Daniel has such an epic experience? And the people that were with him, they didn't even see what he saw. But yet what he was seeing was real. He was seeing into the spiritual realm. He says, the men who were with me, although, uh, were with me, although they didn't see it, were overcome with fear and ran off and hid, uh, fearing the worst. Left alone uh, after the, the appearance abandoned by my friend, I went weak in the knees and the blood drained from my face. I heard, this, heard his voice. At the sound of it, I fainted and fell flat on the ground, face in the dirt. And a hand touched me and pulled me to my hands and to my knees. And Daniel, he said, man of quality, listen carefully to my message. Don't you like that? Man of quality. I like that. I, that, would be, that would be quite impressive if an angel like that appeared, grabbed you by the hand and said, hey, Tanya, woman of quality, you know? That'd be cool. Um, he said, uh, get up on your feet. Stand at attention. I've been sent to bring you news. And when he said this, I stood up, but I was still shaking. Relax, Daniel, he continued. Don't be afraid. Now get this. From the moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding, your prayer was heard. And I set out to come to you. But I was waylaid by the angel prince of the kingdom of Persia and was delayed for a good three weeks. But Michael, one of the chief angel princes, intervened to help me. I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to help you understand what will eventually happen to your people. The vision has to do with what's ahead. I'm going to just stop with that right there. But what a, what a picture we have here. You know, there's so many places to go in this. You know, one is that, that you know, 
immediately upon praying, his prayer was heard. Isn't it, isn't it give you confidence and strength to know your prayers are heard when you pray? He hears you when you pray. He hears you. Your prayers have power. You know, I think what I'm talking about this morning is, is that when you pray, don't be dismayed by the weight. It's that time when heaven and earth collide, you know, the weight, the weight. Parents, your prayers have power. Your prayers have power. Your prayers have power. Sometimes, you know, you raise kids, you know, I didn't have this experience too much. I mean, my kids were, we kind of cheated. We had get kids that were really pretty easy and good. Right, Casey? Yeah. <laughs> But I know that sometimes, you know, parents can pray and it, it looks like the kids are going a different way than what they've prayed. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up in the wait. Your prayers have power. When you pray, God hears you. And I've told stories before of my brother, of Dana's uncle, different people, of me. You know, I, I was the worst stinker when my parents would pray and you know, I just did off, ran off and did my own thing. It looked like their prayers weren't working at all. And even I called my dad one time. He said, Dad, quit praying for me. Didn't realize dad language. That means turn it up, turn it up. Call everybody you know, get them praying. Dana walked, when Dana got born again, she went with her uh, grandmother to church. It was a church over in Eau Claire that her grandma had attended for, I want to think, her whole life. But many years anyway, and Dana walked in, and, and people started saying, you know, like you would do here, they'd say, hey, what's your name? And she'd say, Dana, and they all went, oh, oh you're Dana? It's because they all knew her. They had all been praying for her, and she, she you know, these things kind of, anyway. So, so Daniel prayed, and the very moment he prayed, heaven was rolling into action, and and. There was resistance between heaven and earth. Do you know that? Do you know that there can be some resistance sometimes between heaven and earth? And in this story of Daniel, it says that, that Michael, who is an archangel, you know, one of the few angels that's named is Michael and Gabriel pretty much, you know, but we know they're just a sampling of the, the, the legions of angels that there are. But Michael came to help do battle in the heavenlies with this prince of Persia. Now, let me make this clarification. They were not fighting a physical prince of Persia, even though there was a prince of Persia, okay? They were fighting a principality that was over that part of the world, okay? That's the resistance that they came into, and they did battle, and... and got through, and here, whoever, I, I was going to say Gabriel, but whoever the angel was, got to Daniel with the message of heaven, okay? I love it, though, that he, 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 the things he said were, you know, don't fear, stand up on your feet, don't fear, your prayer was heard the moment you prayed. Say, God hears my prayers. Can you say that? He hears me when I pray. You can say that. 
Say, my prayers have power. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by the word of God. You see, that's stable ground to stand on, folks. All right, 1 John 5, 14. He hears us when we pray. It says this, this is the boldness, the boldness which we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. That's so powerful. That's what God was speaking to me this week as I was looking at this. You know, basically he told me three things, but the first one was this. He hears me when I pray. He hears me when I pray. That, that can elevate my prayer life. You know, and, and, and let me say this. There's some things that, you know, God will assign me. I'll just talk about me. Some things that he'll assign me to pray, and I'll pray. And that doesn't mean I never pray about that again, okay? There are some things that I do pray about again, okay? But there's other things that I might just pray, and it's, that's it. That was all. I had to do, you know, pray, pray, some, you know, some things I don't give up on. I intercede. I'll pray. I'll, you know, I'll pray in tongues. I'll pray, you know, as the Lord leads me, okay? But I believe he hears me the moment I pray. An example, again, somebody I'd, that I would pray for maybe again and again might be a situation like a, a parent and their kids. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it isn't like, I prayed once, I'm never praying again with that. I'd probably bring it up to God, and I'd ask him again, praying for wisdom. I pray for wisdom all the time, probably every day, you know, because I, I, I can always use more. <laughs> Revelation, I can always use more of that. All right, let me just say this. I don't say this to say you don't get other people to pray for you. I say this to, to, to raise your faith in your own prayers about yourself. No one can pray for you like you. Did you hear me? No one can pray for you like you. Sometimes in our minds we think, oh, if I could get, you know, whoever the, the big minister is today out there. I, I, believe me, I've, I've, I've had that happen. I've called on people to pray for me. But even in that, I have confidence in my own prayers, okay? I believe God hears me when I pray. I remember Dana and I called the 1-800-SHAMBACH line one time. Does anybody know Shambach anymore? People don't know. He's in heaven, but, but he was the wildest preacher. He was an Irishman. And uh, my goodness, I used to listen to when I first got born again, I, I drove a truck and I, I listened to the radio routinely through the day, and Shambuck was on my list, you know, and he was so wild. I remember when I went to see him one time in Oklahoma, I got there, and it was like the same wild people that I heard on the radio were there in the service, you know, because, you know, you'd hear Shambuck preaching, and then you'd hear these wild people hooting and hollering, and they were, we were, everybody was there. But anyway, he was, he was a good preacher. He was definitely, if you ever YouTube it or something, it'll be good. James 5.13, it says, Any among you suffering... Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
So the very first thing it says is anyone suffering, let him pray. It's not that you don't have other people pray for you, but again, your prayers make a difference. It says in verse 15 that the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. All right, James 5.16, I saved that one for the end of this, but uh, I want you to know this. Just like I said, God hears you when you pray. You need to know this. Your prayers have power, okay? James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses one to another, to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. In the last part of this verse, it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So I guess it would need to be said this, is that, that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, the Bible definition is that you are a righteous man, a righteous man, a righteous woman. You see, when you believe on Jesus, the Bible says you become the very righteousness of God. It says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that in exchange we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. But uh, you've been made righteous. And one of the things about being righteous, as it says here in James 5.16, is that, that your prayer has power. It has power. In the Amplified Bible, it says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Dynamic in its working. Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Your prayers, they carry weight. Don't ever give up on the things and the people that you're praying for. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to say this. I want to go here for a minute because this thought came to me. You can't control people with your prayers. Okay? Did you hear me? Prayers are not for controlling people. God isn't calling you to control people. But what your prayers do is they make the opportunity available for people in your life. For instance... You know, I know my parents prayed for me. They didn't come out and, and make me become a Christian, okay? It wouldn't have worked. I had a free will. I could have chose to, to you know, go my own way. But their prayers, they shook heaven and earth. They opened the doors. And what God did in my situation is, is the, the guy I worked for was a, a believer, and, 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 and he, he had, he didn't turn me off. Sometimes believers turned me off as, as a young guy that was a teenager, 20 years old. I was like, man, they, they bug me. But this guy didn't bug me. I was like, I liked him. I could see him. I saw him every day, and I saw what he had was real. Okay. And over a course of two years, I worked for this guy. And there was only about two times that I remember that he actually, what I'd say, witnessed to me. And, and both those times, I acted like it didn't phase me at all. I acted like, huh. but inside, boy, I tell you, I listened to every word. 
and I replayed it when I got home that night. I thought, oh, man. One time I came in and came into work, and he says, hey, he called me the hippie for whatever reason. Um, he says, what'd you do last night, hippie? And I said, well, you know, I was just real open. I said, you know, we're just sitting around my house, smoking pot, doing drugs, whatever, you know, I don't know, told him something like that. I said, what'd you do? He says, well, me and my wife were at home praying for you and your friends. I was like, oh, my. You know, I, you know, I acted like that didn't faze me, but, boy, I thought, my goodness, this guy's praying. Then he had an experience where he came in one time, and, and there was a woman in his church that had been praying, and she called him up, and this woman had never met me. He'd never talked to her about me, but she knew my name. And she said, I just called to tell you that Paul's going to be okay. And he mentioned another friend of mine by name that she had no way of knowing that spoke to me. I thought, my goodness, this guy knows something I don't know. He's got a connection I don't have. So God, you know, I'm sure it started with my parents' prayers, but it, it opened up doors for me to walk into the things that God had for me. Does that make sense? At no time... Is God going to make you do anything? If he could make you do it, everyone would have been a Christian already, okay? You've been given a free will. You can choose to do what God's called you to do. Um, all right, so there's a wait time. In, there's a time in between, the time you pray and the time you see it sometimes, Okay. So uh, when you don't see an answer, don't throw in the towel. And I want to read the New Testament version of Daniel chapter 10, and that's Ephesians chapter 6. So in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul lays out some of the stuff that we saw even in Daniel. And, and he says this in, in verse 10. He says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, we don't need to be afraid of the devil. We in our own self are no match for the devil, but God has given us the equipment to stand and stand strong. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You see, so Paul is talking here about the very thing that the angel told Daniel about. That he came the very moment he prayed, but they had to do a battle in the heavenlies before the answer came to Daniel. When you pray, things are activated. Things are activated. Things are happening. And in verse 13 in the Phillips Bible, remember verse 13, it's having done all to stand, stand. It says in, in the Phillips Bible, it says, is, even when you fought to a standstill, that you may still stand your ground. Stand your ground. See, stand is kind of like the weight. It's like the weight. It's like when you've done what you know to do, there's a time when you just 
stand. You stand. You wait. Amen. Hey. Woo. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. This is the truth. I believe this. Hey, it is. All right, verse 15. It says, having, you know, Paul goes into this point, uh, actually verse 14 is where we'll start. He goes into the armor that God has given to the believer. I'm not going to do an in-depth teaching on the armor. We've done that. Probably do it again sometime. But he says this in verse 14. He says, stand therefore, having, you, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, in, in, in one version, it's called the belt of truth. And I would say this, that whatever we do, you know, the part of the armor that is the Bible, it all, it holds it all together. You know, I'm so thankful for belts that they hold up pants, you know, and, and, and you know, they, they can be very useful. You can put things on belts and whatever. But uh, uh, the, in, in this instance, it says that the Bible is like to be girded about your waist. You see, everything we do is wrapped in the truth of God's word. You know, you can go way out there in the spirit, but stay firmly planted in the word of God. It'll keep you straight. It'll keep you solid, okay? Don't go further than the word. Check yourself up with the Bible. Make sure you're walking in line with the Bible. You know, sometimes, you know, we have experiences, and we have to come back and check and say, Is this, does this line up with our covenant? Does this line up with the Bible? You know, and if it doesn't, put it on the shelf. It says, have on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Standing in the righteousness that you are in Christ is a safe place to stand. Verse 15, it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Thank God it's a gospel of peace. And then in, in verse 16, he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I like that. The shield of faith has the ability to quench every, can you say every, every fiery dart the wicked one comes. So, you know, when you pray, you know, we'll get a call to pray for somebody. So, you know, Dane and I, you know, usually in the kitchen or something, and we'll just pray. And, and you know, you, you, get, you get darts come at you. What do those darts look like? You know what they're like? They're like thoughts. The thoughts that come into your mind. Thoughts that try to make you waver. Thoughts that make you feel like God didn't really hear you when you pray. Thoughts that make you think, oh, there was no power in that. Those are the darts that the enemy would try to throw at you. But you see, the shield of faith will stand up there and say, hey, I believe God said what he, what he, what he meant, what he said when he said, call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. I believe he meant what he said when, when he said his ears are open to our prayer. He hears us when we pray, that there's power when we pray. You see, the shield of faith can stop every fiery dart the enemy would come. Sometimes the darts are flying and you're in the wait time. What do I do when I'm in this wait time? What do I do when I've prayed and I haven't seen it come to pass yet? Well, a good thing to do would be to fix your eyes on what the Bible says about what you're praying. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
You know, if it's, a, it's like an area of healing, you know, it'd be a good time to just see what the Bible has to say about healing and, and let your eyes be focused on it. Now, I'm not telling you that you stop being a person, that you stop going to work, that you stop doing everything, but I'm saying that you can have that rolling through your brain all the time, you know? And, and you're like me, you can, you know, you, I usually have a card somewhere. I can pull out and say, oh, this is what I believe, you know? Romans 8.2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's what I believe. I remember when we were moving, uh, we, were, we were living in a one-bedroom apartment, and, and we had Kara, and Dana was pregnant with, with Casey. We didn't know it was Casey, but she was on the way. And, and uh, you know, in our heart, we wanted to move into a house. And, and you know, and I, looked at, I looked at a house, and I looked at our finances, and I thought, there's no way we can do that. There's no way. I was discouraged, disappointed. In fact, we had a realtor friend who would take, take us out. He, you know, the first thing he wanted to do was know what we could afford. And we looked at our finances and told him what we could afford. And the houses he took us to were depressing. They were depressing. I saw a bunch of crack houses over in South Minneapolis. I mean, anyway, but anyway, it was just like, whoa, man. So you know what we did? We got, we got down to the Word. We, got, we, we started seeing what did God have to say about it. We prayed about it. And I remember I had a little scripture card that had my, my scriptures on it that, 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 that I was believing. And I remember, you know, you, you know how it is that sometimes you're in Christian circles, and, and people, we mean well. We mean well, but we'll, we'll say, well, how, someone come up to me and say, how's, the, how's the, the house hunt going? How's the walk of faith going? And your mind wants to go, oh, man, it's really grim right now. It's so bad. I remember that happened to me. We were at a, a function, and this friend of mine, who's a good friend of mine, he's actually a pastor now, and he, he looked at me and says, Paul, how's the house hunt going? Because him and his wife were in the same position, and they were looking for a house. And I remember I looked at him, and I just reached in my pocket, and I pulled out my little card, and I didn't give him any explanation. I just started from the top, and I read to the bottom. I said, and I put it away. I said, that's how it's going. And he looked at me and goes, amen, I get it. I tell you, God moved heaven and earth to get us a house in that, that situation in our life. And, and, and um, got to a point where my boss pulled me aside at work, pulled me into a private conference, and, and he said, listen, you can't tell anybody this, and I'm breaking the rule, I'm telling you. But he said, he said this is, we're going to give you a, a, a series of raises over the next three months, and nobody else can know about it because nobody else is getting them. This was un, unheard of. And if you knew the boss I had, he was like an intimidating man. He was like, like the kind of guy that you're almost nervous when he looked at you. He used to sit right next to me, too. His office was right next to mine. It was, it was, it was, but he, he was really a nice guy. But he had this businessman approach to, to life. And, and anyway, but he, he did that. And, and, and then uh, we came across, a, a, you know, what was... You know, I was going to call it an unexpected, but we were expecting God. We just didn't know the source it was going to be. And someone gave us $10,000. I was like, wow, that's God. And then, then another person sent us $1,000 in the mail, someone that lived across the country. And, 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 and just all the stuff started coming in. And then, then we found a house that was like, they call, it was a HUD, was it? Yeah, HUD home. And, and you had to bid on it. And, and it was like on a holiday weekend. And I remember our pastor's wife even called us up on that weekend and said, I don't know, God just told me you're going to find your house this weekend. And we went out to look at this house, and Dane and I both said, this is it. 
and we called our realtor. We had to I remember we sat in the kitchen of that house and and we had to uh, come up with an amount to bid. You know, you don't want to bid too high, but you don't want to get you don't want to lose the bid. So we prayed about it. We put in the best the bid that we could figure. Praise God, and we got it. We got it. And 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 it was the kind of thing where we we could get in there and do the kind of things it needed to do to 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 make it cool. And and we, we knew how to clean. We knew how to paint. We knew how to do the stuff. God answered the prayers. So what did we do? I was just saying, you know, it was faith. It was keeping our minds set on Jesus. Kind of rolls into the, the next one, he says, is take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, you know, and again, I, 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 I've been around a little bit, and I know this much, is that every helmet I've ever found in life, it goes right on my head, you know. I don't wear helmets often, but if I did, you know, the, where, where I'd put the helmet would be on my head. You know, I've ridden a motorcycle before, and, some, and you know, I'd try to put on my helmet, and, and, you know, whenever I could. It was, wasn't the law back then, but everybody said I should, so I did. But um, nowadays, they ride helmets. They wear helmets riding bikes, and that's good. Protect your head. And I think that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, guys, God wants to protect your head. Put on the helmet of salvation. And again, just like we we're just talking about, is he was really just telling us is be careful what you think. If we're gonna have our prayers answered, folks, we can't afford to entertain any outlaw thoughts that come knocking on our door. We gotta have some kind of a filter and say, you know, because thoughts come to everybody. I don't care if you walk with God for 50 years and, and are just almost glowing. You're so full of God. You still got a head and you got to deal with thoughts. You guys out there? Anybody else ever have to deal with thoughts? So Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. Start thinking like the Bible says you are. You know, who, who the Bible says you are. Start thinking in line with your covenant. You know, this, this is, we're talking about the wait in prayer. We're talking about when you pray, the time in between, you, you pray and you see the answer. But can I say this too? Can I just go a different direction for a moment? Sometimes we pray and we see an instant answer. These rules still apply. Sometimes we pray. Sometimes, you know, we pray for people that, that have been sick and they get healed, you know? Even, you know, have an instant healing. You still got to apply your faith here. Did you know that you could get prayed for and be legitimately healed and the devil could come and steal that? And what he'll do is he'll steal it from you and then he'll tell you, well, you never really had it. And that's just, just a lie. It's just a lie. But you see, what you need is when you get prayed for and you do get an instant answer, you still need to guard your mind. You still got to walk by faith. Because you can, you know, in the, the book of Revelation, Jesus even said this. He said, hold fast to that which you have. Hold fast. Some people say, well, if it was God, I'd just have it. No, that's not the way it works. God can give it to you, but you've got to hold on to it. How do I hold on to it? Well, the very things we're talking about this morning. Use your faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. 
Then the last thing that Paul talks about here is, is take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Speak. You know, uh, the, word, the, the word here in the, the Greek is the word rhema. It's a word I'm familiar with because it's the name of the Bible school that I went to. But basically, it's the spoken word. It's the word that God puts in your heart, and then you speak it with your mouth. You know what I'm talking about, folks? You know the word that God puts in your mouth and might seem just crazy to your mind. Might seem crazy to the world, but yet you speak it with your mouth. You declare it with your own mouth. There's power in that, folks. Let me give you this scripture, too, just because I don't want to skip it. It says in Isaiah 26.3, it says, You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. So how long do we stand? Anybody know how long you stand? Oh, man. That's it. You stand until you see the answer. In Galatians 6 and 9, it says, Let's not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. In due season we shall reap if we don't hurt, lose heart. Let me read a couple of versions. The Black Welder version, the Boyce Black Welder translation says, Let's not lose heart in doing what's good, for at the proper season we shall reap if we don't relax our efforts. The Phillips Bible, I like this one. It says, Let us not grow tired of doing good, for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. I like that. It's kind of like he's playing cards or something. And he says, unless we throw in our hand, he says, the ultimate harvest is assured. Assured. So how long is a due season? Mary Thompson knows the answer to this. But a due season is usually longer than your flesh wants it to be. Okay? But the thing that that we want to focus on is not how long it is, but know this, that we are assured the harvest if we don't throw in our hand. There's power in the weight. There's power in the weight. And I, I, I guess the whole point that I'm endeavoring to put out this morning is this. God hears you when you pray. There's power in your prayers. And don't sit back in the in-between time, the time you pray and the time you have it. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Stand in him.